0: With the 14th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Boston Celtics select Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, Carson Edwards, Tremont Waters,
1: Vincent Poirier, Javante Green, Robert Williams III, Jimmy Ogilley, Brad Wanamaker, Daniel Price, Dennis Cantor, Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker.
0: And we are back with another episode of From the Rafters. Uh, Sam and I are back on a Friday, or Sunday. I thought we were going to record on a Friday. It's my bad, guys. Uh, we have Evan Singleton from Guy Boston Sports. And so, Evan, my question to you to start today off is: Are you are you a Dunkin' guy? First of all, let me ask you that. You you go to Dunkin'? A huge Dunkin' guy. Okay, okay. So my question to you is: What is your Dunkin' order? Like you're driving up drive-through, getting <laughs> get one thing for breakfast. What's your order? Just one thing. Uh, anything, anything. It can be like a coffee and a donut. Like, what's your go-to when you go to Dunkin'? Or do you switch it up? I I switch it up a lot. But um, okay. on
2: my go-to is probably um, I get an iced coffee, and then I'll get um. The egg and cheese wake-up wraps, that's if I'm feeling kind of like I just mm-hmm. want a, a little little pick-me-up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll also get a bagel with cream cheese. But then um, I kind of switch around between a sausage egg and cheese, a ham egg and cheese, and a bacon egg and cheese, okay. just depending on what I'm doing. So sometimes <laughs> yeah. that gets me. I'm reading it, and I go, I could have all this right now.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm a big <laughs> ham egg and cheese guy myself. Uh, I know we've talked about how bacon's overrated on the show before, but hey, it is what it is. Sam, Sam what's your go-to Dunkin' Order?
1: Uh, it's usually either a bacon, egg, and cheese or a ham, egg, and cheese. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, I get it before I go to class. Okay. So, on the so, way, I'll, I usually get two, though. Like, I eat like a okay. machine, so yeah, I'll yeah. get like two sandwiches.
0: I feel that. I feel that. What do you guys get your sandwiches on? I'm a big croissant guy. I think that's fire. Like, a ham, egg, and cheese and a croissant is my go-to. Do you guys get bagels or what's your thoughts?
2: Sometimes I don't really mess with that. I just get a plain bagel.
0: Okay. Uh, but I definitely dabble in the croissant game too. But
2: I yeah. think, honestly, I'm probably going just a plain bagel more, more often than not. I got
0: you. I you guess.
1: do. Usually I get plain bagels or I do get the croissant. I get the croissant when like, it's a two for five and you can get yeah, like, the croissant yeah. ones.
0: It's just value. Big bang for your buck there. I'm just a huge fan of that. See, people I don't trust, though, are the guys who go to Honeydew like, by choice over Dunkin'. I don't get that. <laughs> I'll never yeah. understand that. Ugh, but
1: Honeydew, is <laughs> anyway. brutal, man. Yeah,
0: I don't get it. Yeah, like, like even more...
1: their donuts aren't as good. Like I remember like being a kid and like my mm-hmm. mom would be like, "You want like a donut from Honeydew?" And like I'd get it and I'd be so disappointed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, there's like one right next to all the Dunkins in my town because obviously there's a Dunkin every like three blocks or whatever. And then mm-hmm. there's like this Honeydews by a Subway in my town, and I, I see people at Honeydew and I, I want to pull up next to them and be like, "You guys know there's a Dunkin right down there, right? Like you, you don't have to do this. Like you really." you don't have to do this to yourself but i i guess to each their own if you like Honeydew, i mean you're weird but it is what it I feel is feel like honey Dew could be way
1: more successful if it wasn't a different part of the country exactly
0: yes if, if there wasn't a dunkin everywhere i think it would be Yeah, <laughs>
1: but but even people know. like here they don't they don't like starbucks and starbucks is yeah. like extremely popular everywhere else
0: yeah, exactly exactly but any anyway, anyways uh to get away from the donuts and bagels uh Celtics had a couple games since we last spoke on this podcast and uh I wanted to talk about it. So obviously the heat game was a little rough to watch. Uh, They were without Jimmy Butler. So a lot of people thought the Celtics could roll through there and do well. And then the Nets game was good, but um, I personally didn't trust that uh, as the Celtics being back because it was just the Nets, but then the Raptors, uh, Celtics came out and absolutely routed them stomped right all over them. Uh, So Evan, my question to you is, what do you think changed between the heat game and then the Raptors game? Like what mentality do you think was different? What clicked with the Celtics? I think they, they went with a completely different rotation. I mean, you saw against the
2: um, Heat, we see we saw a lot of Grant Williams and Semi Ojale and, you know, flash forward two games to the Raptors game prior to obviously, you know, junk time and garbage minutes going to these guys. Those guys didn't even really sniff the court. Like Grant Williams, I don't even think played until, you know, it was a, a blowout and we saw Robert Williams earlier on. So I think that, you know, what clicked was just a different rotation. We were getting too stuck in the mud of, all right, we go to Brad Wanamaker, then we go to Semi Ojale, then we go to um, Grant Williams or Inez Cantor, you know, and and finally they made a change, and you kind of mentioned it too. I believe that that Nets game was kind of a throwaway. They kind of wanted to just throw out the B team, and I honestly think Robert Williams kind of opened Brad Stevens' eyes and said, well, I have to give this kid a shot now. Like, he can't play as well as he played against the Nets and then go back to riding the bench. And So I think he was the catalyst in making that change because – we 100% saw less of that. We saw more of a playoff rotation out of the Celtics in terms of how many guys played and um, how many bench guys even played uh, minutes. So I think that that's what clicked. I think hopefully there's like a mentality change too. Like now they're ready. Yeah. We can beat good
0: teams. But that rotation, literally just the physical rotation, was so different. Yeah, you could definitely tell the difference. What do you think, Sam? Do you think it was all rotation or do you think there was anything else involved?
1: Well, yeah, you saw different guys coming off the bench, like Eden said. And it's really important when you have the right guys coming off the bench because, as we both know, all year the Celtics have been notorious for bench struggles. So having the right guy, Robert Williams, has been a ball of energy off the bench. He's been great in these last two games. And he doesn't seem like he's been a liability like people thought he might be on the defensive end the way he has mental lapses sometimes. So if he keeps up the way he's playing now, there's absolutely no reason he shouldn't be seeing minutes. He's been great.
0: Yeah, for sure. I put out a tweet before the Raptor, or the Nets game, actually. I was like, I see people, uh, I forget exactly what I said, but people were tweeting about how Robert Williams should play over Cantor. And I was basically like, oh, Cantor's the better player, I think. And Robert Williams just made me look like a complete fool. And I, <laughs> I mean, I was more than happy to be the idiot in that situation because I want Robert Williams to, uh, to succeed. But Sam, you mentioned a ball of energy. And I think specifically in that Nets game, uh, right off the rip, the Celtics kind of looked like they were slow, just like they were in the Miami game. But then Williams and uh, Langford came in off the bench, and the energy just seemed to pick up immediately. And I think that's exactly what the Celtics were lacking. I think on the defensive end, things looked slow, but then those guys came in, and ever since that moment again in the Nets game, like and it carried over into the game against Toronto, I think the Celtics' energy has just been like so much better than it has in the bubble ever before. I think that was a big issue, and I think during the game against the Raptors, the Celtics just outpaced Toronto in like hustle and energy and just overall, I think that uh, helped a lot. So you mentioned Robert Williams, Uh, Evan, you brought that up. Do you think that he deserves to get consistent minutes over Cantor now? I think honestly, so I'm I'm totally with you in in your tweet before the
2: game that Cantor, you know, is the better player. Like he is. And I'm a huge Cantor guy. Like I think people are pretty harsh on him. But at the same time, this, that center position, they have, you know, center by committee, they can do that. So it's going to be whoever's job, like whoever's playing well, it's their job to lose it. And, you know, if they if they start, you know, say Cantor goes in and doesn't play too well, now they can bring in a more confident Robert Williams. Say Robert Williams has been hot, he's been in there, now they can go to Cantor. So I don't even think it's worth, and now they have done this, so I don't know if, you know, I might just be way off here. I don't think it's even... Uh, a topic of oh, who's going to play the backup center. I think it's always yeah. going to depend because neither one of them are absolute staples off the bench. I wish one of them were to be like, I love both of them, but I think it's totally going to depend on matchups. And, you know, mm-hmm. with those two guys, one thing I've always said about them is you'll be able to see literally within seconds when they check in, if they're going to be a factor or not. Cantor's either yeah. going to be a beast on the That's board. A great point or Robert Williams going to be slow on defense and you, know, you know, behind and on rotations and whatnot, you're going to be able to see right away and not waste too much time being like, okay, he doesn't have tonight. Let's at least try the next guy.
0: Yeah, I agree. Sam, what
2: do you think?
1: I, I think it's really interesting when you think about those two guys. I feel like Cantor is more of the safe, even though they're both kind of wild cards, he's the safer option. He's a veteran. He's had more experience in the league. So you can rely on him to be at least in the right places for the most part, where Robert Williams everyone had been concerned about him you know making mental mistakes all the time. But when Robert Williams is at a peak level, I feel like he has more upside than Cantor does if that makes sense, yeah, I feel like sure. he's he's like he's got the most potential to make an impact as we've clearly seen over these last couple games,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and when he's firing, the Celtics
0: are firing, yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think I I was big um, into the thing that you mentioned. I forget which one you mentioned, it, but how Robert Williams uh, tends to not be in the right place on defense. I was nervous it was going to turn into kind of like a Hassan Whiteside thing, who on paper he looks like a great defender because he averages like three blocks a game, but that's all he cares about really. So he just goes around the floor getting blocks wherever he can, and he ends up giving up open layups and offensive rebounds. So I was really nervous that he was going to turn into like a Hassan Whiteside type guy, but in the past few games, I think he has gotten better at staying in the right place on defense and doing what's needed. Uh, And on offense, I think him running the pick and roll, especially with Marcus Smart, has looked phenomenal. Like Robert Williams in the pick and roll has been far and beyond better than what I could have ever imagined. So I think that's something else I really like to see from Rob. Um, And then Evan, I know you mentioned matchups. Uh, All the matchups um, in the East are going through Milwaukee, I see at this point. Uh, We just saw Robert Williams play well against the Raptors, but uh, Cantor or Williams against Milwaukee. That's my question to you again, like, uh,
2: we, we said it, the, the potential there, I want it to be Williams, but those yeah. are some pretty savvy big men. They have, you know what I mean? Like Brooke Lopez has the basketball yeah. IQ to almost put Robin, uh, to put Robert Williams in a pretzel. <laughs> I, I, I think it could be tough. I mean, but at the same time, Cantor doesn't really can't cover Brooke Lopez out by the three point line. So it's really tough. I don't think either one of those guys, like, you know could necessarily hang with the, the big men in Milwaukee or even just at yeah. Milwaukee in general but at the same time I'm, I'm almost rooting for the potential like to beat Milwaukee we can't go with um, I don't know which one of you guys said it but the safe play like you can't be safe yes. and beat Milwaukee so I don't know if Cantor is the guy I think you at least give Robert Williams a chance to you know send Giannis' shot into the third row or with a bubble I don't know the first row but you know it's like you, give, you gotta you gotta throw the kitchen sink at Milwaukee, and I think the kitchen sink is way more of a Robert Williams thing than um, going with the safe play in Cantor, but again, like it does worry me because they, they have so many um, moving parts to that team that I think people forget about because everyone focuses on Giannis, but the fact that there's so many peripherals going on, and then you have the best driver, the best player in the league right now just going to the hole, I think Robert Williams could get caught uh, with his pants down a few times.
0: 100%. I think it's He's still learning, I think, is a big thing. Sam, what do you think about Milwaukee's matchup with us? It's a tough one. I mean, I think yeah, – I mean,
1: obviously, we're talking about the bench, but I think Tice has been really, yeah. really great this season, which I've mentioned time and time again on this pod. But, you know, he he's like an Al Horford light, and I think he has potential to be able to make an impact in the paint against Milwaukee. He's no – you know, he's no world leader. He's not going to swallow everything that goes to the rim or anything like that, but he's able to – make an impact he's able to defend the rim stretch the floor he can do a little bit of everything I think he makes the Celtics more versatile than either of the other guys do of course that's why he's a starting center but mm-hmm. having Tice be an impact player this year has been huge for the Celtics and I think that is going to continue to be huge for them if they do face Milwaukee late in the playoffs which hopefully they will I don't think I mean Robert Williams in it, Andor or Cantor is going to be able to make an impact, but I think Tice is going to be the main variable in terms of slowing down the Milwaukee offense. He might have to be the defensive leader.
0: I agree. I think Tice is the best center on the team as far as spacing goes, defense goes, just IQ overall. I think he's proven that this season. The one thing I'm glad you brought up Tice that I'm kind of nervous with is he's only 6'8", and that hasn't been a problem all season, but Specifically in the bubble, I've noticed games against the Nets with Jared Allen and the Blazers with Yusuf Nurkic, where his height has kind of gotten uh, him killed on the boards, on the offensive glass, on the offensive end with post-ups and stuff. Are you guys, or Evan, I'll start with you, are you worried against like Milwaukee, where they have Giannis, who's huge, they have Brook Lopez, who's a tall guy that can space the floor, and like Embiid, all these, all these tall guys in the East? Are you worried that they can get to Tice, or do you think he'll be fine like he has been throughout the regular season? I am, I, I don't know if "words" is the
2: right word, but actually, did you, I mean, I kind of just found this out recently too, but Robert Williams is also 6'8". He just yeah. plays like, he's yes. huge, like, it's, it's pretty crazy, cool. but again, it's he's got like a seven foot six wingspan, so, but <laughs> yeah. Tice, Tice doesn't have that. What Tice does have though, which I think can make up for the lack in size, and we've seen it time and time again, he has the motor of a Marcus Smart or, you know, any of those guys, He he's going to give so much more effort than the guy that has the, the 3 inches on him that I think, you know... Size does play a part at the end of the day, but um, I do think that, you know, that, that motor, we've seen it more often than not work to his advantage. We've saw him, you know, we saw him shut down LaMarcus Aldridge or Kristaps Porzingis like to three and four points earlier in the season. I believe yep. like we've seen Daniel Tice do his thing, even when he has a bigger guy on him. But I mean, it's going to be tough, you know, like it's, I, I don't know how much we don't have Al Horford anymore, so I don't know if anyone's shutting down Embiid, mm-hmm. you know, and then the one thing I'll give Tice credit for in terms of Milwaukee is that's the guy that will be in the right place at the right time. And though he may not have the height, he's always going to give them the best chance to um, make a team defensive play, which, you know, you, you, you have to play t- these teams left. are the teams that they're going to be playing in the playoffs. You, it's, it comes down to team defense. Like, you know, they're going to be rotating. They're going to be running out to the screens. Their, their center position puts them in a place where, everyone else on the floor now has to make up a little bit of slack. And that really isn't like me, you know, crapping on the center position. I think yeah, that they yeah. above that, like compared to what people's views are, I think it's way smaller of a void, but um, overall, like they're going to play team defense. And if there's one center that out of the three we're talking about, Daniel Tice is by far and away sort of that anchor of the team defense. Um, so I think his effort overall and in, in his, his knowing how the system works and where to be, I think it kind of minimizes that, height issue but um you know if you get guys like steven adams or Embiid, no matter who you throw at them on the team right now they're gonna they're gonna eat so i don't know it's almost like just
0: don't let that be the reason you lose for sure and i think uh brad stevens has done a good job of rotating in Cantor, who's got a little more height on him to uh (laughs) kind of counteract that uh sam what do you think about tice's height and that stuff well i think kind of like i
1: said earlier like tice like you said his height is kind of a Achilles heel for him. Obviously, he's a little bit undersized, but he does all those things right, like you say. He's like a Marcus. And I also I really, really like the fact that he can stretch the floor. In the game against Toronto, Mm -hmm. he drilled a couple back-to-back corner threes. I think that was really a big uh, point in the game. The Celtics made a run in the third quarter to kind of ice the game, which I was also very
0: pleased with because they usually like to blow leads, and they didn't do that. (laughs) For sure. For sure. I think Tyson's floor spacing is huge now. Uh, to stay on Tice for a second on the topic, Evan, I'm gonna give you free reign here. I'm just gonna say it, and then I just want you to go off with all your thoughts, okay? The war on Tice. What what did he do to the refs in the bubble? I, like, <laughs> I don't know. I've seen tweets that he slept with all their wives, or he just <laughs> got. To talk to them. It's crazy
2: how much these refs uh, just they they just pull him apart. I keep saying oh, yeah. in my, my show on Twitter and in my live streams, I say the refs are bending Tice over a barrel and showing him the fifty states. Oh like, yeah. Everything they want to him, and and it's crazy because we've now seen the face from him. You know, he does that same face where one eyebrow goes up and his mouth kind of slants. It's because we're seeing that so much because he's so confused with fouls. He literally, like, when the ref blows a whistle, he looks at him automatically knows it's on him because that's how it's been going. But then uh-huh. he literally has to listen to the ref to hear what the foul is because he has no clue what it is. Mm-hmm. It's I, I, it's so frustrating because it's obviously on the defensive end, but then on offense the guy gets clobbered. Like we said, <laughs> hey, a seven-footer hammers him, and there's no call. In fact, they might call an offensive foul on Tice. Like it's, it's, it's crazy. And that's that's part of the thing that like I have so much respect for him this year. Um, I've kind of like uh, on on my show and on Twitter too anointed him like the unsung hero of this season. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. he literally is starting every single game in a hole just based on the height, and then the refs are digging a deeper and deeper hole. Yet he's still kind of prospering and getting out of that hole every single game. So um, shout out to him. But it is absurd to me. How Ridiculous. these calls keep, like, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, he must've done something because it's
0: not even realistic. Yeah, Sam, you got any theories? What what Tice do?
1: What did Tice do? I yeah. think he's foreign. I feel like they, they don't like foreign, <laughs> foreign players very much.
0: I mean, hey, any theory, any theory at this point, just to explain it. I've written multiple articles, like you said, Evan, on how Tice is the, uh the hidden X factor of this team. I think he just does everything so well. Kind of like smart. He's like a, uh, what's the word for it? Uh, I don't know. They said something on NBC. I can't think of the word, but he just does a little bit of everything perfectly uh, well for the Celtics, kind of like the glue guy. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's been great. Uh, I my favorite thing things about him. Yeah, is like yeah. when Scal like,
1: really, really oh. defends him on the broadcast too. Oh, like, yeah. He's like, oh, man, this the Tice can't catch a break. And he he acknowledges it. Like he, He's doing a great job at playing the Tommy role with Tommy oh, yeah. out.
2: Yeah. 50%. I can only 50%. imagine Tommy seeing these calls on Tice
0: though. It might kill him. The yeah. peak of my frustration was when he went up for that uh, loose ball against Nurkic, and oh. Nurkic clearly jumped after him and elbowed him in the face, and Tice got the call. That I couldn't. I could. His legs that. got taken out. Like, what are you supposed to
2: do? Yeah. He just fell backwards.
0: Crazy, crazy. And then against Toronto, a foul got called on Tatum, and Tice immediately just marched over to the ref, assuming yeah. it was on him. That was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. I don't know. Maybe he did sleep with their wives. That was my <laughs> assumption as well. So uh, that's a good theory. The foreign thing, the wives, who knows? It's got to be something. That's got to be a question at some point, but
1: the wives anyways. has been
0: my favorite thing that I've heard. Oh yeah. I see that everywhere. <laughs> it's the first um, time I
1: heard. I haven't seen it. That's hilarious.
0: <laughs> I mentioned this guy earlier when we were talking about Robert Williams. Uh, he came in the game at the same time against Brooklyn. Uh, Romeo Langford has been seeing a little bit of an uptick in minutes uh, and Brad Stevens recently also praised his defense, saying that was a little bit of a surprise. Evan, do you think that we're going to see more Langford into the playoffs, or do you think it's kind of like a seeding games thing just to see how it works, and then we'll go back to sort of the, like you said, the maker ojalee thing in the playoffs, or do you think Brad can kind of like move forward with Romeo and Rob? I think, honestly, my opinion would be that Brad is using these games to see if it's going to work
2: out, but Brad's mindset is that he wants it to work out, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I think he wants to play Romeo in the, play, uh, in the playoffs, barring any sort of, you know, downfall during these last few games. And uh, like the thing, the thing with him, and then you know, tying him to Robert Williams too. It's that, uh, and I've said it myself that the reason these guys aren't playing is because they don't have the experience, and and you know, they mm-hmm. they might not get the the defense. But Romeo Langford seems to get the defense. He's he's playing an unbelievable defense. And then at the same time, how are you going to get these guys experience? This is like everyone feels weird in this bubble. You know what I mean? Might as well throw these guys in there and let them have the chance. It's not a typical, you don't have the away team's fans breathing down your neck and, mm-hmm. and heckling you. You don't have the the, the home team's crowd, um, your home team's crowd with all these this pressure and expectations on you. Like, this is an opportunity to get those guys' experience. So I don't think it's, and, and I feel like that's probably the number one reason why Brad hasn't been playing Robert Williams until, you know, lately. And same thing with Langford. It's like, but you, you gotta you gotta get these guys experience at some point, or they're just gonna develop the the idea that they can't hang with the big boys. So yeah. I, I think Brad's great point. I think Brad's goal is you know look at Stanley Johnson. That's a guy that came in against the in, uh, Raptors, and I was thinking I completely forgot about Stanley Johnson. He's playing garbage <laughs> time now. You think that guy ever thinks oh I'm gonna be an NBA star or an NBA yeah. player? He's, he thinks he's a garbage player now. So I don't want Romeo Langford or Robert Williams to ride the bench for so long that that's what they think is the norm. But, um, yeah, I I hope to see – that's my personal opinion is that I really want to see Langford, even if it hurts them a little bit. Even if Robert Williams hurts them a little bit, throw it at them. Like, maybe they do something, and if not, worst-case scenario, you do lose in the playoffs, but these guys that should be, you know, pretty core pieces moving forward got that experience.
0: For sure. I like that mentality. Sam, what do you think? I think it's a really good point.
1: Like you said, like, you don't want their mentality to get ruined. You want them to have confidence. But it it's funny, if you look back, like Jalen Brown, I think it was Tom that told us this, Jack, that like he has a very similar uh he had a very similar rookie year to what Romeo yes. was having.
0: Yes. Where he yes. didn't yes. get
1: to play Tom. very much, but he much you know, from, he would yeah. get some stints and show out a little bit, mm-hmm. things like that. So yeah. I think I think that's just kind of the way Brad handles things, with the exception of Jason Tatum, who kinda of got thrown right in due to injuries, <laughs> but you know, he was starting anyways.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I But think it's, I, I
1: don't think that's a terrible way to handle rookies, to be honest. I think it's kind of important for them to learn and get experience before they see the floor. I mean, don't get me wrong, like, playtime is very important, but learning is also, like, it's uh, it's definitely undervalued.
2: Well, my thing, too, is that, like, you're totally right, but, like, Romeo Lankford sitting on the bench going, I can't play over Sammy Ojale right now. You know what I mean? It's like the Celtics don't have, I get, you know, they're not going to start, but the Celtics don't have that, you know, star studded or or veteran studded bench to yeah. for them to even understand it like Robert Williams is being like I can't play over Grant Williams are you kidding me like I think <laughs> I'm better than that guy. like it's it I don't know I just the things that we've have thrown out on the floor that's the puzzling thing to me in terms of like why don't you give these guys a chance
0: no it's Zach. definitely Zach. tough this year too because there's sense. so many young guys like there's so many young guys just itching for a chance so I don't know
1: Evan what, what would your uh Eight or nine man rotation be for the playoffs. I know you said it would be situational, but like just in a general rotation, what would you like to see?
2: I'd probably keep it at um, eight, but I don't know if that's even possible. But it would obviously go, you know, starters through smart for six. Right. And, and, you know, if my like dream goal is hitting, it's Robert Williams and then probably Romeo Langford. But then it brings up the okay, well, who's running the offense? Because they don't have that backup point guard. And I've always then this year at least been pretty harsh on Brad Wanamaker, but that's because he's playing 20 plus minutes a game. Like I think you play Brad Wanamaker 10 to 14 minutes a game. He actually is pretty good. Like he's a better third string point guard than most people have, but he's playing your second, you know, backup point guard role. So if they could figure out a way to, you know, use Gordon Hayward or Tatum and Marcus Martin kind of rotate that run the offense once Kemba's either not on the floor um, or just not out there, I think that I obviously, I, 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 honestly would go, you know, the bench, Smart, Williams, and um, Langford. But that's kind of me just reaching for the stars. Like in reality, it's probably going to be Smart, Canter, Wanamaker. You know, barring Robert Williams, um, keep continues to go off. He takes that center role. But I
0: don't mm-hmm.
2: think Brad Wanamaker's going away. So um, I, I
1: don't I, even. Um, I, I could say I could see. Sorry, I could see Romeo even getting a chance to run the offense. He's a good yeah. facilitator. I mean, maybe not this season, but, you know, in the future, he definitely has potential to be like a Gordon Hayward type where he can uh, run the offense, handle the ball, facilitate, find guys, get himself to the basket. He has that kind of potential. So before these seeding games are over, I wouldn't mind seeing a little sample of that just in case, you know, it might click. I think Romeo is a solid player. He plays good defense. Mm -hmm. The, The thing about Brad Wanamaker, I think that really makes everyone dislike him. And I'm starting to figure it out because, like, I have personally haven't been a big hater of him. But, like, I've seen – you know, I get frustrated because, like, I am I think to myself, maybe Tremont Waters would fit better because he has such great vision. Brad Wanamaker never passes the ball, man. It's crazy. It's, yeah. I do not understand how you are a point guard in the NBA and you, like – he has such bad television. vision sometimes. Granted, he does get himself to the free throw line where he is uh,
0: elite. The best has ever. The best percentage the best in ever. this – yeah, best ever. Right? Ever of players who played hundred games, best ever free throw
1: percentage. Right. So I, I mean, that's not that. necessarily <laughs> a problem.
2: The case.
0: <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, but you. Someone mentioned it. Was it you, Sam? who said Tremont Waters. That's that's my next question. Where the hell is Tremont Waters? You, correct me if I'm wrong, but he played amazing in those games in the scrimmage games. He looked great on the break. He looked great running the offense, and then he literally hasn't been even active for a single game. I don't get it. Carson Edwards played above him. And like I get that Carson Edwards gets the chance because he has like the actual contract rather than the two-way. But Tremont Waters has the potential to be a legitimate backup point guard. And he's not even seeing the floor in garbage time. Evan, do you get like do you have anything? Do you- I I want him to work like I want Tremont Waters
2: to work out. Obviously, him and Carson Edwards are almost yeah. fighting an uphill battle being super short. Um mm-hmm. Course. but at the same time it's like and I said this in terms of like signing Isaiah Thomas or signing someone else I've always said you can give this guy a chance so Trayvon Waters in this example throw him out there give him a chance if he sucks after one or two minutes just go back to Brad Wanamaker that's what you're doing already so why not give the kid that has more upside than um, what you're rolling out there now I, I it's it's got to be a defensive thing where they think he would just get bodied on defense but it's like Again, you're you're not ever giving it the chance to play itself out. Who knows? Maybe they could work around him being so small because he's clearly yeah. the best. Uh, sorry, facilitator out of mm-hmm. uh, Wanamaker, Edwards, and you know Waters. Now he's the best facilitator. He's the best with the ball. He's clearly you know got a little. Um, uh edge in terms of getting to the hoop over edwards like he's he's a really yeah. good player he's and it just sucks that he's short because he
0: when he's out there with like the junk time guys we saw in the scrimmage games he's so much better than everybody oh yeah 100 he, percent. and he won defensive player of the year and of the sec at lsu like yeah. like he's a good defender he's just he's just small i don't know sam what do you think about waters
1: Not i gotta bring that, that up too yeah like the sec is no joke they got kentucky in that conference other schools florida i believe is sec so like they're solid schools, and he's beating out players for yeah. defensive player of the year. That's impressive. Um, the, one of the main knocks on small guys is defense. So like he's proven that that shouldn't be a liability for him. And honestly, in the games that I've seen him play, I don't remember it being a massive liability for him either. Right. So I I just think he's got so much upside, and I think a lot of the deep bench guys for the Celtics have a ton of upside. Like we've been we've been talking about the whole time, Robert Williams, uh, Romeo Langford, and uh, Tremont Waters, all have tremendous upside. So, I, I think Romeo and Grant, uh, not Grant, Robert Williams, are the most ready, but like, Tremont Waters could easily slide right into that maker spot. It's just, I don't know, they don't want to take a risk. I think we're going to see a ton of Tremont Waters next year.
0: I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just don't understand why he hasn't even been active. Like, even over a guy like Javante Green or even Carson, like... Yeah. He has. he's not even, like, getting the chance to get in the game. Like, that Raptors game would have been the perfect opportunity for him to play. But he didn't even get to dress. I, in, I, in
1: fairness to the the Celtics on that one is, like, you really didn't think you were going to blow out the Raptors by that much. Guess, you thought yeah. it would be a close game. I was about to say, like, today Orlando doesn't have Edmond Fournier, Aaron Gordon, and someone else. I'm blanking. But they're, they're injured, Michael right? Carter, so, Williams. Michael Carter-Williams. Michael Carter-Williams. So this I, should be a game where you – Maybe suit up those guys because maybe it's going to be a blowout and maybe you can get them on the floor. The Brooklyn game, they should have suited them up too, even though they were coming off a tough loss the night before. But, like, it's Brooklyn. They don't have anybody. They're like yeah. a G League team right now. So, like, those guys should be seeing time over. Maybe you rest players that game. I don't know. I mean, you might see people rest today. Who knows? Because I believe they're locked into the third spot, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, I don't know if they're locked into the third spot. But I'm pretty sure that's, like, most likely where they're going to end that's up. That's as
1: far like down as they can go. I know that much.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's
1: Miami can't I catch them anymore. But
0: no, yeah. I, I just don't get it. Especially, like, you mentioned how we didn't think we were going to to beat the Raptors by that much. But then what's the excuse for the Brooklyn game? Like, why wasn't he active against a team of bench warmers? That's what I'm it's saying. Just, it, it's the, yeah, it's definitely, I think, tough. I don't understand it. There's got to be some reasoning. So, I guess just got to put faith in Brad Stevens and Danny Age to make the correct decision. So, Uh, But anyways, moving on to the starters for now, Jason Tatum obviously struggled against Milwaukee. We talked about that, but he's been having a bounce back, uh, looking like February Tatum that we all know and love. Evan, do you think Tatum's going to be fine for the playoffs? I know there was some worry, but it seems to be leveling out. Are you you expecting February Tatum in the playoffs? Uh, I do, yeah. I think he's finally
2: shaken off the rust. The one thing I kind of want to see more of him is almost like commanding the ball and going and getting his shots up. Like, There's been a couple games now where, um, and I think the Miami game was one in particular too that like you know he shot 11 times. Brad Wanamaker shot seven or something like that. Tatum has been incredibly efficient, but like one thing he was doing you know before the quarantine there was he was jacking shots up. But what was paying off was that these were shots all going in. So I want him to get back to that where at any moment, any time he feels like he can throw something up there with his eyes closed and it would go in. Um, I haven't yeah. seen that yet, but I've definitely, obviously, you know, since that Milwaukee game and then since um, even the scrimmage games where he didn't look too, too great, I think we finally started to see a more comfortable Tatum. So maybe it's just sort of like, you know, walk before he can run. He's, he, he knows he's getting there. He's finally making shots, but he knows he's got to be a smart, smart basketball player and not just throw things up there because he's not at a hundred percent yet, but come playoff time, I'm hoping that he's enough of a guy that can get himself going or, you know, he's got great leaders on that team like Smart, Kemba, Hayward. They can kind of hype him up and say, hey, you got to realize you are the guy and this is playoff basketball. Let's see it. So I'm not really worried about Tatum. I kind of was after the Milwaukee game and after he didn't play in the final scrimmage game, I knew that that Milwaukee game was going to be (laughs) tough. I was kind of like pretty upset about that against Brad Stevens there, but I think he's going to be fine. I mean, he... He has more, he's proven, you know, or he's done more positive things this season than the the brief period of time we've seen now and kind of ragged on him for. So I think he's getting there. I just think it's a matter of time before he has um, even a bigger of an explosion game than he did against um, Portland.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sam, what do you think about Tatum in the playoffs?
2: I'm
1: excited to see Tatum in the playoffs. But, like, the thing is, is that I've been super, like, pumped about is, like, it's kinda of contrary to what you were saying. I do think it's the point you made is good though. You said like him getting all those shots is great for his confidence and like he knows he's the guy. Mm-hmm. But I think it's the Celtics might be at their absolute best when they don't necessarily have a guy. They have three guys. That's fair. And over like the last like couple games, probably since Brooklyn, you've seen that even like spread of shots and scoring. Like you had like three guys back to back games hitting like twenty, I think and I just think that's what makes the Celtics special this year is they have those four different players, Hayward, Walker, Tatum, Brown, and even Tice sometimes that can get you solid scoring. And Marcus, too. Marcus is a absolute wild card. But he can do it, as we saw in the Milwaukee game. He was pretty solid on offense. But I am the most happy watching the Celtics when Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Kemba are all getting theirs, and it's almost even. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's important for him to get shots – when they need him to get the shots. Like, I believe it was the Miami game and he was hot and he wasn't getting, or no, no, it might have been yeah. Portland when they let Portland climb back into the game. And, like, he wasn't taking shots anymore. Yeah, and I was it, like, why is he not shooting? He was yeah. red hot.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but even on top of that, the Miami game, he played 33 minutes, 11 shots, 6 of 11 steals. How does that guy only shoot left times? You know?
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's kind of crazy. Like, that They were dying for some offense in that game. It was terrible. Yep. And they couldn't get it. So they need to find the balance of when you have that three-four-headed monster and when it's working and when it's not working, okay, here, Tatum, take the ball, go to work. Or Kemba, take the, whoever has it, take the ball, go to work, get us the win.
2: So not yeah. Brad Wanamaker. Not Brad Wanamaker. <laughs> like Even in though game.
1: in his defense he's been fairly efficient shooting the ball.
2: I know, yeah. It's just like the complaint
1: it's, for it, him is not yeah. the scoring; it is the passing. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I, I don't, I don't get the Wanamaker, uh, ball handler, main scorer thing either. The seven shots. You'd be
1: better as an off guard. I think we talked about this on Wednesday.
0: Yeah, if, I agree. if you had, I
1: think Marcus might be the best facilitator on the team. Oh, so yeah. if you just have Marcus handle the ball and have Wanamaker
0: spot up to shoot, he's been pretty money on his jump shot. That can yeah. make Watermaker an impact player. Who knows? wasn't Wasn't a Smart a point guard out of Oklahoma State? Didn't he come out of college as a point yeah. guard? I think
1: he's always played point guard for the most part.
0: Yeah, just to give. Now, so he, now he's just kind of a
1: stretch six. Mm-hmm. So yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Something else I wanted to bring up was uh, shoot, I just forgot we were talking about Tatum. Oh yeah, a lot of people are impressed with Jalen Brown because of his play in the bubble. I think but I think a lot of Boston Celtics fans are just like, yeah, this is the Brown we've been getting all season. Evan, do you think Brown is just as good as Tatum or has the potential to be on like a level playing field with Tatum? Obviously I think Brown is the better defender. That's not a knock on Tatum. It's more of complimenting Brown. But do you think they have like the same amount of potential? I think they could be obviously they're
2: gonna be they already are two like pretty different players, but I think the thing with Brown is, like, you you don't necessarily know how good he's going to be. We can all picture exactly what Tatum's going to be, and we're, you know, pretty confident he's going to get there. He's going to be the guy that can literally score, you know, at will, and he makes these cool moves, so smooth, everything like that. Jalen Brown, like, every single year, he's developed something in his game. He's gotten better. He's taken mm-hmm. whatever says he can't do, and he does it better. Like, we really don't even know what the finished product of Jalen Brown is, and he's a 20-point-a-night scorer. Probably should have been an all-star this year and he isn't even a finished product. Not to say Tatum's a finished product, but again, like, the Celtics kind of paid Jalen Brown without really even knowing why they're paying him. Like, he can just do so many things, they threw the bag at him. Jason Tatum, they're going to be paying him because he's going to be one of the top five scorers in the league for years to come, you know? Like, Jalen Brown, who knows what his best attributes are going to be, and that's what I like. So whenever someone says, like, you know, Jason Tatum's definitely going to be better than um, Jalen Brown and stuff, I kind of say stop right there because... Jalen Brown almost has a higher ceiling than Tatum because it's, it's that unexpected. Like, you don't know what he's going to become. He could be so good. He, he's an offensive guy. He can, he's an absolute momentum changer. He's mm-hmm. a dunker. He's a slasher. He's now a better dribbler. He's making better plays in terms of passing. He used to suck at like two on ones, fast break type of thing. Like, Jalen <laughs> Brown has taken everything that he's been bad at in the past or criticized for and tidied it up he's not 100% he's not all the way there obviously there's there's still progress to be made but like he could easily and i mean easily all of a sudden when all said is done when all is said and done he could be the better celtic like there's no way to to deny that like he he could you know so i that'd be great if if they could compete to be the best celtic in like sort of a i don't know if it's the right word but friendly manner like <laughs> that's pretty cool for them to just continuously compete with each other and get mm-hmm. better and better and better yeah,
1: yeah, I agree, and I think a lot of people don't give Jalen Brown enough credit, or at least I think a lot of people are really, really high on Tatum, like, mm-hmm. the the national level, they know Tatum. Tatum is well-known. He had that massive playoff run, so he's been in everybody's minds for a couple of years now, but Brown has been, even in that playoff run, Jalen Brown was very good, so yeah. I don't know why he hasn't stuck with people as much either, but he now has become a sensational shooter, like... If you are in the bubble, he has been knocked down. Yeah. He made his last seven shots to ice the Trailblazers game, and he was, he still, was clutch. Yeah. So yeah. I, I completely agree. I think he has a great ceiling. He's a great two way player, he plays good defense, and he's a great leader, too, on and off the court. So you see that he's going to motivate other people. And he's obviously motivating himself because he's getting better
0: every year. Yep. Yeah uh i just saw something on twitter it's a little live reaction for you guys listening uh sam i don't know you don't love the rank game but someone posted uh rank them from best to worst uh devin booker donovan mitchell zach levine and jalen brown and all of the replies have brown either last or second to last and i i personally don't get it evan if you had to rank those guys again devin booker donovan mitchell jalen brown zach levine uh what's your order there it's I, I think either I don't know. That's a tough one. I would
2: probably go. Yeah. I think Devin Booker is like, especially mm-hmm. after hitting that shot too, kind of put everyone on notice. Like somehow people don't think Devin Booker is one of the best scorers in the league when he just yeah. is. Um, Mitchell's so good too, but I think Jalen Brown and Mitchell, like they're kind of you know, I, I would say right in that number two spot. I don't I don't see how anyone can be like, oh Zach Levine's better than Jalen Brown. You put yeah. Jalen Brown on the on the um, Bulls, I think. He he eats just like Zach Levine. Oh, oh yeah, it's.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I think Zach Levine is so overrated. Yeah, it's because it, he's yeah. just on a bad team. Like, right? You just I don't know. Here's the difference between him and Donovan Mitchell, or any Booker and him and Donovan Mitchell is that Donovan Mitchell was drafted onto that Jazz team a couple years ago, and like they had just lost Gordon Hayward, they weren't necessarily supposed to be good, and he like he brought them all the way to the playoffs, almost won the Rookie of the Year, probably should have because the whole controversy with Simmons being a rookie. And then, you know, he made a name for himself like that. And, like, the difference between him and those other two guys is he took a team that wasn't supposed to be good and made them into a contending team. Obviously, Coach Snyder deserves credit, and the guys around him deserve credit. But, like, he was able to fill that Gordon Hayward role, I guess. Yeah. And you haven't really seen either of those other two guys bring success to their team. And I think team success is a huge... Like, that that's a huge measuring stick for me as well. Like, if I was going to do that list right now, I would go Mitchell, Brown, Booker, Levine, just because of the success.
0: Okay. I respect that. I think my list would probably look like uh, Booker, just because I think he hasn't really gotten a fair shot as much as Mitchell did. Because, obviously, Mitchell had Gobert, who was an elite shot blocker. He had sort of a team around him. Uh, so, I'd probably go Booker. Brown and Mitchell are very on the same level. I think it's really, really, really close between those two. And I think it's close between them and Booker too. Um, But I'd probably give Mitchell the edge solely because he has technically led a team, even though I think Brown could do the same thing in his situation. And then I think Levine is far and away the last player on that list. I don't think it should be a question. But uh, I can see any of those top three guys being one through three. It's just Levine, I think, deserves to be four. Uh, not that he's a bad player. It's just he's he's a scorer, can't play a ton of defense, and he's on a bad team. So it, it's tough to put him with the other three. Uh, something else I wanted to bring up. That was a little <laughs> live something I saw on Twitter. Uh, we asked Live is good. Uh, oh, yeah. We ask a lot of our guests, or pretty much all of them, about matchups, right? We talk a lot about matchups, how the rotation will change, how the Celtics will fare in a playoff series and everything. Uh, who do you want to face in the first round? I know a lot of people are scared of Philly, uh, but Ben Simmons is hurt now. But then again... Uh, TJ Michael Jordan Warren is on absolute fire I don't know what's happening this is probably uh, I saw someone I follow on Twitter uh king of the fourth Quarter's a YouTuber tweet out I've never seen a mid-tier guy like TJ Warren act like a superstar like for this long in this stretch of games so uh what first round matchup do you favor like Pacers Sixers Heat like who do you who are you afraid of or not even afraid of but who would you rather face in the first round Devin I know people have kind of, you know, been against this
2: take for a while now, but I want Philly. I think we could, I honestly think the Celtics could mop the floor with Philly. I know they've kind of had our number this season, but I think a health, healthy Celtics, even versus a healthy Sixers team, I, I just want to say that, you know, we'd sort of we'd bring it to them and kind of get it over with. Like, yeah, you guys thought that that was going to yeah. be its first round? Like, the Sixers, they've had so much happen since, you know, Playing the Celtics, they now they have forget the injury for a second, which obviously is a massive part of this. But even with Simmons and Embiid on there, like there's a an NBA anonymous exec today or yesterday said like the Sixers have already decided that they can't play with Embiid and Simmons moving forward. They're gonna have to choose one or something like that. There's been so much turmoil in on that team, and I think you put up a team that is just as talented in the Celtics that has the best chemistry in the NBA according to Cantor. Like I think that we would feast on Philly, and all of a sudden. That's an absolute momentum driver, like beating the Pacers in the first round, for example, I think would be a huge first round win type of thing. But I think the Celtics, if they just smack Philly in the first round, you know, beat them four or two or something like that. I think that it could, even if it goes seven, if they just beat Philly, I think that that's almost like catapulting them into playoff success. And I kind of want to, you mm-hmm. know, face the beast right away. Like, let me, let me, let me, you know, swing at them and hopefully knock them out. And then now we're
0: rolling. Yeah, I'm not afraid of Philly that much either. I just think it's tough with Embiid because he's so dominant. What do you think, Sam? It's actually kind of funny. Is like, I mean,
1: I agree. I especially now that Simmons is out, I'm about to like contradict myself in the same like statement. But like <laughs> Simmons being out makes Philly kind of less dangerous. But I also like in the back of my head thinks it think it kind of makes them better because it makes them more versatile. They don't yeah. have Simmons, who's like a liability on offense. I guess. I mean. He isn't, but he is just because he doesn't shoot. And I think Brad Stevens has been really, really great at planning and like making it so Simmons is ineffective on offense. That having him almost not there makes things different. And I don't know if it makes them better or worse. I mean, in the long run, it'll probably make them worse. But like him not being there could make it so the Sixers can come out and like punch Celik in the mouth, make it so like Embiid has more space to work, yeah, things right. like that. I just think having more shooters and having not having someone that can't shoot is just like a benefit.
0: Yeah, I can see that for sure. Uh, you mentioned, Evan, I think this is an interesting question too, uh, scenario to talk about, that one of the execs in the Sixers organization said something about how they're going to have to move forward with either Simmons or Embiid. Uh, who do you keep if you're the Elton Brand GM of the Sixers? Which one do you trade? Which one do you keep if you have to get rid of one? It seems like Embiid has been in sort of
2: like rifts with other guys in the team, but I think Embiid is by far and away the more dominant player. Like Simmons is, you know, I I kind of, I shit on Simmons all the time, but he really is, really. He's awesome defensively. He's so fast. He's almost seven feet tall. He can dribble, but at the same time, he does have that sort of easy to game plan for... Working against him, like if you need to cover Simmons one on one, you know exactly what to do. Is that how it always works? No, he's going to make other people around better. Sure, but if you give me a, you know, say say that guy needs to go off in the fourth quarter, I'm taking Embiid. You can just feed and he's going to get buckets. Whereas Simmons has got to pass to um, some chump in the corner to make a three to tie the game. You know, (laughs) it's like it doesn't it doesn't have the same. And I'm sure Sixers fans would disagree, but. Ben Simmons to me is like the weirdest case of a superstar that needs other people around him to truly succeed. Like he would be fine on his own. If he was on the bulls, he'd get plenty of points too, but his best feature. And for some reason, I'm trying to explain this as it's a knock on him, but his best feature is how good he makes people around him. And I think, um, you know, that's not necessarily what I'm always looking for from a megastar, like from your point guard, from your all-star point guard, that's totally fine. But like if Tatum's best feature was, Oh, everyone around him gets so much better. I don't think we love Tatum as much. You know, it's like, yeah. that's, you do want your, you know, max contract superstar cornerstone player to be the, you know, the yeah. Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant, that's or the LeBron James, because LeBron makes everyone around him so much better. But what can he also do when it's crunch time? Let me go put the ball in the hoop. So, yeah. Um, I think that's what yeah. you're look for. So, Long way around it, I would take and be just because I think okay. he's the more unique and dominant and matchup. Like, miss, you, you, have, you go into every game with a mismatch because there's not anyone in the league that
0: can really hang with him. Yeah, yeah. Sam, what do you think? I feel like you agree. I feel like you've said this before.
1: I agree, but I'll take the other end of it just for the sake of this. Yeah, is yeah. like, I guess if I was the GM, right, I would be hesitant to trade Simmons because I feel like he has upside if he learns to shoot or, be, mm-hmm. or even if he just starts to do it.
2: Yeah. yeah if he causes people to cover it like he, he exactly could it makes shoot, it so much easier shoot, exactly.
1: they have to come out to guard him yep instead of just standing at the free throw line and it makes it easier for him to get the basket that's all you have to do Giannis does it I don't yep. feel nervous when Giannis shoots a three but you know he'll do it
2: yep like I, it's, I, if, if he could shoot I'm well, I'm switching my point totally like Benson is oh, yeah. so 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 good at other things but it's like not even you're making a great point here Sam it's like Giannis shoots like, but Giannis is so good at everything else. He's a bad shooter, but guess what? You can't just sink in the paint and wait for him to come to you. Like he, he'll shoot, and if he even makes two threes a game, that's six points that team didn't have. So it's like exactly. oh, you got you got to watch for it. So if if Simmons could even shoot like the same amount or you know the same skill level as Giannis, I think that my answer completely flip flops. So it's a good point.
1: The funny thing is, I actually think like. He probably practices shooting threes more than anyone could ever imagine because it's something that everyone knocks on him for. He probably can shoot at the same clip as Giannis. He just doesn't do it. Yeah, He's said he doesn't want to shoot threes until he can shoot 40%, I think. I think that, it, that might have been yeah. the number. It might not have been. Yeah. But, like, another reason I want it to be Simmons is, like, you know, I think Embiid would be a great Celtic.
2: There you go. All right. <laughs> he would
1: be – and now, I don't know – if I'd be willing to pay the price for Embiid because I personally don't like trades, but he would be something else here. He w- the people would love him. Oh, I, yeah. I like him, and he's not. He's on the rival team. I think he's hilarious. I think he would be perfect. He would fit right in with Celtics culture. Oh,
0: yeah. I think Embiid's a great guy. I think he's hated by his enemies but absolutely beloved by his home crowd. Um, yep. My thoughts on the Simmons and Embiid B- thing is I do think Embiid right now is the better player. I think his defense and offense combo is just unmatched. I think he's probably the closest thing we've seen to Shaq in the paint, even though I don't think he's nearly as dominant or will be. But I think he's obviously not replaceable, but with the way the current Sixers team is constructed, I think it would be easier for them to trade Embiid, play Horford at the five, and then sign shooters like, just like cheap shooters with that extra money and then build around Simmons. Like if they could do something like Houston is doing for Westbrook where they don't run a, like a real big center, even though the Hop Horford Horford can stretch the floor though. So if they run like a five out for Simmons where he can just drive sort of like what they do, like I said, in Houston, but also Milwaukee, He's like they literally point. just run the five out for him. I yeah. think he'd be amazing. I've said, um, I've said this before on this podcast that if Simmons was in Giannis's position and they even just switch teams, Simmons would be an MVP candidate. In my opinion, I think that would be the perfect team for him. I think he could run the floor, get his ten, eleven, twelve assists on that team, kicking out the shooters, and average twenty-five points a night.
1: But Embiid also is starting to seem like a problem in the locker yes. room. Yeah. yeah, which is not something I, I might retract my statement. You don't want that here. We're a little bit uh, tender from Kyrie still, so uh, you don't need another Kyrie.
0: But who knows? Tough. Maybe
2: that doesn't follow him. I don't know. Maybe he's so, like, disgruntled there. But again, we wouldn't know that until we get it. And, and you know, one of you guys said it, like, the price to be paid for Embiid, if, like, think about the price we paid for Kyrie. Like, you know, we're all oh, kicking yeah. ourselves now. So if they had to pay even more technically for a guy like Embiid and then he comes in and is a locker room cancer, it's like, yikes. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: They didn't pro fix it. It's just like a, a fantasy thing, I guess. Yeah, Honestly, I think if they traded Kemba for Simmons straight up, I think both teams could benefit from that. Now I don't think Kemba's a bad player in the slightest. I think he's a great fit here and I like him. But like I feel like Simmons would fit well here because everyone can shoot. That's yeah. that's the thing. And yeah. Kemba obviously would provide shooting to the space of forefront bead. So both teams would benefit, but that's not something that's going to happen.
0: Right. For sure. For sure. The same argument has been made with like a CJ McCollum for Simmons or even to Damian Lillard for Simmons. That's trade. cheap.
1: Yeah, it would be it would be Lillard. It wouldn't be. Oh, McCollum.
0: Yeah. For sure. For sure. But anyways, Sam, I know you like to ask all our, uh, yes. our guests a set of questions. So I'll let you go on with that. Yeah. So usually I ask the guests, uh,
1: do you have a favorite piece of Celtics memorabilia that you have uh, autographed pictures, uh, posters, jerseys, anything, whatever?
2: I What's have, the story
1: behind it?
2: I'm grabbing it now. I don't think, you know, this is probably not good podcast because <laughs> no one can see this, but I have an actual unopened Larry bird high school bobblehead that I bought <laughs> years ago for, for pretty cheap. And like, now it's going for hundreds of dollars. Um, wow. I will say this after a week of getting it, I opened it just to see what the bobblehead was like. So I probably really effed up that, <laughs> that uh, price tag, but it's by far and away, I have it back in the packaging now, but it's, it's a, um, a Springs Valley, Larry Bird bobblehead that I have. It's, it's wow. my claim to fame, even though I kind of ruined the fame by opening it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. <laughs> wow. Now, do you like, have a that's... favorite game that you have been to? Favorite game that I've been to? <sighs> that's, I don't know, that's tough. I mean, probably any of, I went to a chunk of Isaiah Thomas games. None of the, none of the um, absolute you know bombs that he dropped. But at right. the same time, like I think he did so much for me as in terms of like sports media um, and just loving the game, and he kind of brought the Celtics back and made them fun for me in a time of I thought we were going to like rebuild. So I would honestly, I know it's an easy way out of this because I don't have a specific, but any time I saw Isaiah Thomas play in person, was kind of like like he was almost like a, a a megastar to me, even though you know he, I, I mean he was for uh, a he, while. Yeah, before. he he still is here. Yeah. Yeah. So I, Andy, I
1: completely agree with you. It was, it it's was the most awesome crazy season. case I think I've ever seen in terms of someone, he was an MVP candidate, honestly could have won the MVP that yep. season. And, cause he was the number one team in the East that season. So like it would have made sense. Yep. And you know, he was here for two years, two and a half years. And then he completely kind of like, you know, injuries screwed him up and everything. But like, he was like someone that people like like He's like a legend, and he was here for two and a half years, and he is going to be a legend. He's not going to have his jersey retired or anything, but he's someone that is going to be like you tell your kids about, like that right. kind of thing.
2: Right. He was like the like witness greatness. Like When I would watch him play going to games, even on the TV, but you asked about going to games, I felt like I was witnessing something remarkable every time he played. So um that would be my answer.
1: Okay. Now, do you have a favorite moment aside from winning the championship that you've witnessed? like anything uh we've had people say the Marcus Smart double charges we've had i think someone said the Isaiah game against Washington things like that
2: yeah i think it might be who i am trying to remember who they played now it was the Chicago or Miami i i i'm it's something me but after his sister had passed away um yeah. well, was that yeah the, and i think that i think that that game um was that wasn't the Washington game though it was, was Chicago.
1: It? Uh, I was Chicago. actually lucky enough to be there. It was oh, awesome. Uh,
2: so I think that that was so – I like that I didn't even necessarily remember the team, but I remembered the moment. That was yeah, – uh, They, uh, that was they didn't even
1: win, but it was special.
2: Yeah. It, yeah. So it's just like him being able to – and, you know, that that picture and the video of him kind of crying and Avery Bradley consoling him, the fact that – that, like, sums up what he did. Not necessarily how the game turned out, but the fact that he could have easily sat that game out and not played and no one would have said anything. That would That would be totally understandable. But he went out there and played that to me it's like a, a moving moment like outside of basketball forget how good he was forget how good he did play. the fact that he played at a time like that just showed how much he loved the city and how much he loved the game of basketball and that sticks with me but like to be honest that that Washington game's probably the one where like um, I was just trying to think of like that next layer like what what is the, the the true answer probably would be that Washington game where he went off in the yeah. playoff. That's mm-hmm. absolutely a great answer. It's
1: still a game. I think everybody watches highlights of once in yeah. a while. Oh yeah, yep. Uh, Jack, you're the Jersey guy. I'll let you go with uh, that.
0: Yes. Uh, do you have any Celtics jerseys? If so, which ones and how many? That's always the question. I have Larry Bird
2: um, college Indiana State. I have a Larry Bird right. Celtics jersey, and I I have a Marcus Smart jersey. I, I, I'm not a big big jersey guy. Like I don't I don't always wear jerseys. I kind of like to. Get, and I I also am a huge like if we talked about this for longer. I'm a huge. I hate to get a jersey, and then the guy gets traded or moved. So yeah. even if I don't sus- like suspect the guy going to get traded, I feel like that's probably subconsciously something I don't um, buy jerseys for. Like the Larry Bird jersey. Mm-hmm. I he's wasn't. He's clearly um, not even an NBA player anymore. And I think <laughs> those jerseys. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, ten years ago or so. So those are probably my favorite ones. Like the Larry Bird baby. The powder blue Indiana State mm-hmm. one. I love um but i have a marcus i don't even think it's like a real marcus smart jersey it's like the no yeah where it's like printed on or whatever but um yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's that's jerseys it. are expensive man
0: yeah, yeah i just get the cheap ones i get yeah. the fake knockoffs always
2: <laughs> that's how you
0: have uh, to do
1: it because like if i buy a jersey i like it to be like raised and everything like i don't like i don't like the printed ones i don't know i feel like i like i feel like it's just not like legit to me
2: i forgot now, I have i'm a... not
1: like knocking on your jersey but like i'm just saying like oh, i yeah. personally like a I'd rather buy a fake one.
2: I um on for my show, I did a giveaway like about a month ago or so, and yeah. I, I it was for you know someone could pick any jersey they wanted from the NBA store or whatever, and I would send it to them when we did it. And uh, the guy ended up picking a Luca shirt, and as I'm checking out and paying for it and sending it to him, I'm like, shit, I haven't even done this for myself in years. <laughs> like, like, I'm yeah. like my first jersey I've <laughs> bought in a long time, I'm sending it to someone else right now.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. crazy. Like, I've been wanting to buy, like, a Tatum jersey because I think he's going to be, like, the next – well, actually, I really think Marcus is going to be the next guy to get his number retired, but Tatum's going to be the next megastar legend that the Celtics have. Um, Yeah. So, like, I have a Marcus jersey, but I need to get on having a Tatum, a brown jersey too, both of them. Do you you think Marcus is going to get his
2: jersey retired someday, Evan? I think he should. I mean, it's a matter of what they accomplish with him because –
1: That's what I say.
2: But, but uh, you know, the Celtics kind of, you know, and not that I knock them for it, but they seem to throw numbers. Like, there's not many numbers even left. Um, right. So I think that they have the same mentality almost as the Basketball Hall of Fame in which, like, if you really did just mean something to this team, they they do it. Because if you look at some of those older guys that I never, you know, watched or anything like that, but you look at some of their numbers, now obviously things were a little bit different then. You know, Marcus Smart probably is right up there with some of those uh you know names and numbers up there, so I think Marcus Smart. Maybe it's the bias in me saying like he should definitely have his number retired, but I think he has been like one of the few true Celtics. Um, in a lot, no, I absolutely
1: agree in with a, you. I'm on the same page.
2: Yeah, I it think it's more about being time. a Celtic than
1: anything. Yeah. really. I mean, yeah. if you spend your career here, you're you know a solid player, which he has been. He's a special player because of his defense. Um, so he he should. I think – and plus, Tom Westerholm made this great point when we had him on. I asked him that. He said, uh, you know, 36 is not, like, the most desirable number. True. So, obviously, it's not going to be as much of a problem as some of the older numbers, like 23, 22, 21, are all retired. Yep. And, like, Ed McCauley, Frank Ramsey, and I couldn't tell you who the third one is. Like,
0: it's tough. Oh yeah, I'm am a big Marcus guy. I think I love him. I think he's the closest thing we've had to a team captain since Rondo. Uh, I think if there was a captain, it'd be him. So I I hope he can get his number retired someday. As for jerseys, I get all mine from DH Gate, so they're all cheap. But I do collect them, so it's a nice way to keep my uh, my I, I guess you could say addiction or hobby to a, a minimum cost, as I am a broke college student. But anyways, I think this is a decent enough. No, time no, to wrap you're not getting away. Evan, do you think <laughs> do you think it's acceptable for
1: Jack to have uh, jerseys from oh the Lakers gosh. and 76ers? I'm just curious.
2: Oh uh, no! So you collect other players too? Like just just because you <sighs> like you like a like
0: Alonzo Ball jersey, you'll get one one of his old Laker jerseys. My my thing is I, I have one from every team. Like I I quite literally have a jersey from every NBA team. So it's like a whole collection. I do, though. In fairness, have a Celtics jersey for every player on the current roster. He does so.
2: I guess that makes, that weirdly yeah, makes up for on. it in some ways. That's kind ah, of, <laughs>
0: and I do have, what do I have? I have Aaron Baines, Marcus Morris, Al Horford, Kyrie, which I mean, at the time it was a good idea. Uh, obviously Isaiah Thomas. Uh, I think I have Terry Rozier. So yeah, I have a good amount of Celtics jerseys. It's, it's just like, I like to have one for every team. Um, so yeah, I, I do. I have an MB jersey for the Sixers. Cause I mean, like Sam said earlier, he's, I like him. I like the way he plays. Uh, I don't know why I got a Kuzma jersey last year. That was a weird That's, stage. I regret. You it. Like this jersey. No, I do have two Kobe jerseys too. Because what well, you should do, it. actually, Jack,
1: get rid of the Kuzma jersey. Get yourself a Rondo Lakers jersey <laughs> or an they Avery play. Bradley one. Okay. That's the cool. only acceptable way. Man. Kuzma Not jersey. Yet.
0: Yeah, it's a tough look. It is what it is. It was like when he was on a really hot streak at like the very, very beginning of his rookie season, and he looked like he was going to be really solid. I just thought it would be cool because I didn't want to have like a real mainstream. Like, I obviously, didn't want a LeBron jersey. I guess in hindsight, I should have gotten a Kobe jersey. You accomplished but that, that. Was oh. <laughs> <laughs> man, it, it was it was a dark time. We don't have to talk about Kuzma jersey, but uh, last thing, not my not best decision.
2: You like Go LeBron ahead. or you don't like LeBron, Evan? Uh, I. I honestly am like, I, I, I don't like him as a person. Some of the stuff he does, some of the, you know, dumb stuff he does, but I do think that people probably around our generation and stuff like use that hatred and kind of shit on his play. Like I have one of my best friends literally will tell you LeBron sucks. Like, and he just like says it straight face. He'll get in a three hour debate, but how LeBron sucks. I don't agree with that. I think LeBron, like you have to give credit where it's due. I think he's unbelievable. He's a He's a crazy, you know, human art form of a person. I think he's awesome. He can be awesome on the court, but um, where I kind of lose him is when he's walking into a game that he's not playing in, sipping wine, or he's yelling tacos <laughs> to day on Instagram, or even on the court when he falls into a camera and acts like he just got shot by six sniper bullets, and he keeps. That's one
1: thing the- he always does. I'm so <laughs> happy you brought that up. I'm going to scream at the end of this show today for all of you that are still listening. You're welcome. He always acts like he just died, and then he He's gets bleeding. up, like, you're not and police. it's like a thing. Like he wants everyone to
2: clap for him. Yeah, it's nuts. And it's like I, other other NBA players do it too, but he does it so much. Like you you get, you get elbowed in the head, right? You check to see if it's bleeding. All right, now you're walking to the foul line. You check to see if it's bleeding. That's where it should stop. You're not bleeding after two checks. The fourteenth check, you're not all of a sudden going to be starting to bleed. Like <laughs> the minute your head is split open, that's when you bleed. You know, it doesn't take. 26 minutes for you to start bleeding and i hate when guys do that and lebron is a huge guy that does that he'll miss the first foul shot and start touching his head making sure he's not bleeding and i'm like so there's there's so many things that irk me but like you take all the all that away and you take all the noise around him i do think people fail to uh i think people you know jump to the oh he sucks train way too easily and i think it's so i think it's pretty like bananas when someone does that because i don't think he sucks i just think he sucks as like a like a guy I mean, yeah. that's even, like, an extreme.
1: Because, like, he does try and do, like, nice things. <laughs> but like, true. I feel like yeah. when he's doing nice things, it's phony.
2: Yeah. Well, one thing I've given him credit for, and, like, like so that's kind of why I'm on the fence with him. Because, like I said, one of my best friends will literally spend hours saying LeBron sucks. And somehow I find right. myself defending LeBron by the end of it. And I'm like, I didn't even mean to do that. But, like, he, this guy's been in the spotlight forever. And he really hasn't had at all any of, like, the discretions that a lot of um you know Fair. pro athletes have like it's you got to I, I guess the way I'll answer this I know it's long-winded is that I think I I really don't like LeBron James himself but I do think we got to give credit where it's due and there's a lot of parts of him that you know are due for credit I guess.
0: Yeah, we always have to debate because Sam does not like LeBron answer. and I I do like LeBron. I I think he's I think he's a player, good player. So, yeah, I
1: just don't I kind of like
2: wimped out of it too. That's a very two-sided way of saying it but <laughs> it, it is honestly like how I feel. I it's yeah. up yeah. for me to to say he's like you know my favorite person of all time, but it's also
0: like I I don't hate him. Of course, of course, I think massive respect for how long he's done this and the, the shape he's in at what thirty five. I think it's absurd that he's still playing yeah. at this level. But anyways, uh, I'm glad you asked that. That was fun. But um, Evan, I appreciate you coming on. We love having you. Is there anything you yeah, want this to is say? Really like, fun. plug all your twitters, everything before we end this off here. Uh, no, I had a I had a blast coming on. Um, I definitely we should try
2: and, uh try and get you two on my show sometime for sure absolutely uh, anyone listening can follow me on twitter at ev my podcast mm-hmm. is unleashed so the, the twitter handle for that is at ev unleashed and then um sort of all my content written video podcast it'll all end, all end up on GuyBostonSports.com. so um check that out but guys this is this has been a blast we kind of hit on you know we hit the, the head on so many nails
0: here yeah so uh had a blast <laughs> super fun Appreciate that. that. Uh, I'm Bannertown Jack on Twitter. And as always, I'll let Sam outro us here. Go ahead, Sam. Yep.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm, a, I'm now ban- at Bannertown Sam on Twitter. I was Parquet Press for a while. If you are confused, it's not me anymore. I'm a new man. Um, our show is done for today. Thank you for listening. Uh, Celtics at five, if this is out before then, they play Orlando. So, yeah, yeah we're done for today. Bye.